Hey, this is Nick DiMatteo from Music Is Not A Genre. I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the service I use to record and distribute my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you from experience, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Here's why. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So please take a moment out. If you are planning to create, record, and distribute podcasts, take a look at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo and welcome to week 50 of Music Is Not A Genre. Each week I take a release or several from my collection. I discuss them, I give you my take on them, I throw in some interesting info and I connect it to my music, other music in the world and the world in general. Uh, If you like this kind of talk, Uh, Whatever platform you're on, please subscribe, uh, sign up, whatever it takes, share this. Uh, I know I am on multiple platforms, by the way. If you didn't know that now, uh, it's a good time to announce it. And this particular podcast will be there soon. But uh, not just on YouTube and on Patreon. I also have the audio version only of these podcasts on Spotify, soon to be on iTunes uh, or Apple Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. Uh, several other podcast streaming services. So be on the lookout for that as well. Anchor is my main thing there. And uh, I'm really excited to continue to do that. And if you also don't know, I will be starting a new interview series where I'm interviewing other people in the music world, uh, which will be featured only on my Patreon page. So please consider subscribing to that. Uh, This week is a special week. It is the end of an era. Um, If you've been following along, yes, this is the 50th video podcast, but I believe it is the... 224th week that I've been doing this. I started just uh, text and photos only. I started with my cassette collection and then I moved to my vinyl collection. LPs and EPs and 45s and 78s and all that stuff. And here we are. I had six left and I decided, weatherman, stormfront, I decided, uh, screw it, 50's a great number. And I'm not 100% sure what to do with these six, so I'm going to blow out the whole rest of my collection uh, and start something new next week, which you can check out next week. And uh, I'll talk about that more later. And that's why I'm calling this week's podcast Bad Ocean Freddy Five Whistlebird. Let me do that again. Bad Ocean Freddy Five Whistlebird. This is the end of vinyl. For me, not for the world, but for me. So the reason I called it that, as you may be able to guess from the first one, is that there are six uh, albums or singles here, and uh, each one of those words has to do with one of those. And and here's here's the thing. You've heard me say this before. I'm going to say it again because I think it bears repeating. I don't care how music comes to me. I never have. 
when vinyl was the thing, I did vinyl. When 8-track was the thing, I did 8-track. With, with cassettes, then CDs, then uh, MP3s and, and waves and all of that, and then streaming, which I guess is where we are now. I don't care how it comes to me. The, the more and the easier, the better. I'm not uh, a purist. I'm not someone who believes that uh, one is qualitatively better than another. I think all have their pros and cons. I happen to think that the, you know the highest quality lossless file is the best way to listen to something depending on the speakers you have. And that's another huge thing. I'm a musician and a creator and a producer and all that. And I talk about this with other musicians. And we all talk about how no matter how well you record something, you can't account for how someone is listening to it. Could be on the greatest headphones or the crappiest, the greatest speakers or the crappiest. Could be on the speakers in their TV or on a, on a you know an Alexa or one of those devices. You can't control that. So you mix the best you can and you let it go. And and as a listener, I feel this the same way. However it comes to me, whatever speakers, if I'm enjoying the music, that's what counts, right? But of course, there's a special warm place in my heart for vinyl, as there is for so many people, because I grew up with it. And uh, that's why this is kind of a momentous episode, because I'm closing out my vinyl collection, you know? Um, let's get to it. So these have some very small things in common and maybe some nothing at all in common, if that makes any sense. Uh, the first one, Bad Company, 10 from 6. So this is their one of their greatest hits collections, which was released in 1985. And it's probably when I bought it. Um, it's a band. This is how I say this. There are many different sub-sub styles of every type of music you can think of. Just think about how many styles of hip-hop there are, country or whatever. Same goes for rock. You know, you have the first, which was rock and roll, uh, which got shortened to rock when things got a, a little harder. And then there's, you know, prog rock and just, you know, indie rock and on and on and on and on and on. Psychedelic rock. Uh, I think in every era there is a band or several bands, handful of bands, that are the quintessential representation of a certain style for that era. You know, um, in the 70s, for rock, for the, the simple, no bones, nothing, nothing embellished or special or crossed over or anything like that, for rock, Bad Company was the band. Uh, can't get enough of your love, feel like making love, uh, the, you know that you are a shooting star, or whatever it's called, <laughs> Bad Company, the song, Rock and Roll Fantasy, I mean, so many great songs. Um, if you don't know, Bad Company, uh, fronted by Paul Rogers, came out of the band Free, um, which, which spanned late 60s, early 70s, and they had the hit All Right Now, which you may know, so same singer, same, you know, almost, um, not quite completely the same personnel. And they also did a song called Oh, I Wept, which I had not discovered until I watched the uh, show Devs with Nick Offerman. And they had it in this sequence, and I just was blown away by the song. And context means, means something, too. But I would recommend looking Oh, I Wept up, and I would recommend listening to Bad Company's Greatest Hits. You know, I, I mean, they're very, very worthy. But as I am saying this, you are staring at the man... William J. Ocean, I don't know his middle name, uh, and this single, this 12-inch single here released in 1986, Love Zone. Um, 
anybody who doesn't like Billy Ocean is missing a piece of their humanity. I'm just going to say it. You, you know, you, it may not even be your type of music, but there is no way to dislike what this guy did in the 80s. That's, as far as I'm concerned, that's how it is. That's the same to me with somebody like Phil Collins. You know, he, he, he for a while, was getting a really bad rap. I don't know why, but he's one of those people like, if you don't like at least some of what he did in the 80s, then you're not human. You're just not human. And I mean that very, <laughs> very literally. Um, but in this case, you know, so he had so many hits in the 80s, uh, out of My Dreams, Into My Car, uh, Caribbean Queen, There'll Be Sad Songs to Make You Cry, or whatever, whatever it is, and several others. Love Zone was one of them. I don't know it as well as the ones I just mentioned, but I re-listened to it, and I'm like, yeah, okay, so smooth R&B with a little bit of a, you know, island tinge to it, and his, you know, that rich, you know, voice that just puts you in a good mood when you hear it. Um, you know, it's worth looking up. Has nothing in common with Bad Company. Well... You know, not nothing. Everything has something in common. And then we get to another smooth dude, Freddie Jackson, uh, with his 12-inch You Are My Lady, his biggest hit ever, released in 1985. He was one of those dudes like Peebo Bryson, like the late, sadly, James Ingram, who just defined, like, smooth soul R&B vocals for the 1980s. You know, and this is a song I haven't heard it in a long, 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 long time. I can still hear the entire chorus in my head. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's again, it's one of those, you want to chill out, put this on. Um, this, okay, I'll confess, I don't know why I have this. I am fairly sure that this is, again, another one of my brother's albums that I inherited because I didn't, I looked at it and said, this is interesting, let me not throw this away. So I don't have a real connection to this, um, but I did my research and Five Star was a British uh, pop R&B band. They had several hits in the 1980s, including five from this album, Let Me Be The One, which I kind of do here in my head. Now, you know, when I, when I read that, I, I do kind of remember, Let Me Be The One, I think that's how it goes, um, was their biggest US hit. And... I didn't know they were British until I looked them up and kind of read about them. And, you know, congratulations on them for having such a huge, you know, hit album here. Um, but it got me thinking, and I don't know if I've said this before. If so, I'll say it again. I often prefer British R&B acts to American R&B acts in the modern era, the last 20 years or so. And that's not because there aren't great people on both sides and uh, uh you know there's great acts on both sides i should say of the of the uh of the atlantic ocean um or or that um you know there's there's not something valuable in even stylistically in you know both kinds of r&b but what i've found and it could be just a cultural thing is that British R&B tends to not feel like they need to adhere to the strictness of what R&B should be, quote-unquote, um, the way American R&B does, both in production and in content. And it's, that's why it's always been a little bit more interesting to me. And um, that, uh, you know, probably held true to some degree even in the 1980s, but certainly holds true for me today. Which gets me to number what? Five. This nondescript 12-inch from a band called Whistle, 
and the song Nothing Serious, Just Buggin' uh, from 1986. That one was from 1985. You can see these first five are all from 85, 86. Um, and I probably bought all these around that time, except for the five star, which again, I don't know where that came from. Uh, thanks, bro. Uh, you know, Whistle was one of those quote unquote fun hip hop bands of the 1980s, you know, like early, um, DJ Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince and, you know, people like that, um, you know, or, or Lottie Dottie, We Like to Party, you know, that that dude whose name escapes me right now. But those kind of songs where they they really brought it, they were awesome songs. Their intention was to be a lighthearted and fun, humorous even in a lot of ways. And Whistle was one of those bands. This was their biggest hit, uh, again, from 1986. And it had, uh, it did what a lot of 80s uh, rap songs did, which was it sampled... Uh, either TV show theme songs or public domain songs. In this case, it was public domain songs and it was used um, uh, a sample program from a keyboard where it was like a, a human's voice that would just pitch differently when you played it on the keys. Uh, I have a Casio SK-1 was the one I had, which a good friend of mine rebought for me because I uh, traded away that one for some dumb reason. And uh, it, I mean, that really kind of plants it right smack in the 80s, that sound. Um, it's interesting. I read up on Whistle a while ago because I almost put them in another podcast and they didn't quite fit. But what I what I found interesting was that they were kind of a crossover band uh, because they started out as a hip-hop band and then uh, went, I think they did two or three albums and um, they had some personnel changes, et cetera, et cetera, and just changes in, in I guess, the desire of what they wanted to do and decided to switch to kind of an R&B vocal band with, you know, thick harmonies and the whole thing, the way like Boys to Men would be and people like that, but predated them and had a hit um, with a cover song, which I'm sorry I didn't write down, but look it up, Whistle's uh, hit in the late 80s, I believe, uh, 89, I want to say. Um, and... I thought it was cool that they were able to make that transition pretty smoothly. It's not something that, that many bands are able to do. Uh, which brings me to this one. Which, you know, you could do an entire podcast on almost any of these. Um, but this one in particular, right? So, Charlie Parker. Encores, the Savoy Sessions. Uh, released in 77, but uh, recorded in 1944. And I'm sure bought in 19, let's say, 85 or 86 by me at a thrift store, um, at a record store in the in the thrift bin, to be more precise. Um, I've always been a huge uh, Charlie Parker fan. And I am not, you know, when it comes to jazz, because I am jazz-wise, I'm primarily a pianist, pianist and a vocalist with very, very, very light bass and guitar jazz skills, let's be honest. Those are the instruments I gravitate to when I'm listening to jazz. Um, not that I don't love horns, not that I don't love clarinet and reed instruments and things like that. There, you know, there are so many other violin, even man, jazz. So there's some jazz violin out there that just kills. But you know, you you go with the thing you know, and what and what I always you know uh, what I learned on uh, very early on was jazz piano and jazz vocals and. Um, that's why this is special to me because, of course, Charlie Parker is a saxophonist, right? Um, and yeah, I love and respect a lot of horn players in jazz. 
he was always one of my favorites because he kind of straddled that um, line between more traditional jazz of the 30s and early 40s and the hard bop that would come afterwards. And he was in that, in smack, in the bebop, you know, in the 40s and early 50s and all that. And what I like about that is that it had that kind of still like lyrical quality and, and um, tonal quality of more traditional jazz with just the fly by the seat of your pants, uh, you know, the solos and breakneck speed and dissonance, uh, you know, uh, that bebop is known for and, and even more so in hard bop, which, which took it even further. Uh, so, you know, this has always been kind of a special album for me. And most especially because there's a song on here that has vocals, like I said, I gravitate towards that. And it's a song called Romance Without Finance. And if you don't know the song, look it up. It's been covered by several people. I believe Cassandra Wilson covered it. I don't know, so many people. I looked it up uh, last year because I put it in one of my um, Facebook Live sets, uh, one of the jazzier, bluesier sets and uh, really wanted to grab onto that song because it was it's always been one of my favorites. Uh, so, you know, there are so many other great songs on this album, Tiny's Tempo and all that. I would recommend listening to it, though, just for Romance Without Finance because it's both jazzy and fun, which is a cool thing. Um, and staring at this rounded metal object on the table... We have now come, lo, these many whatevers, couple years, to the end of my vinyl collection. There are no more. Somebody's going to gift me something next week, probably, and then what? I don't know. But for right now, there are no more. And that's exciting to me because we are entering into the next phase next week. And that next phase is CDs. And let me tell you, at a certain point, I had probably around 1,000 to 1,200 CDs. Uh, I traded some of them in before I moved. Kept a list, though, of the ones I really, you know, still liked but didn't necessarily need. I still have, I would say, well, several hundred at least. So we're going to be at this a while. And I'm excited about that, too, because the CDs have some old stuff the way the vinyl and the cassettes did, but they certainly much more represent the more recent years and decades. Uh, maybe not the most recent years, because who buys CDs anymore, but the most recent decades, which is really going to change the nature of what we're talking about, which is why, if you're listening on audio, this is the end of season two, and thank you for listening. Season three is going to kick off with the CDs, uh, most likely next week, unless something comes up. Um... Anywhere, you know, just to wrap up, are you into any of these artists? Hello, that's my hand on the screen. Um, do you remember Charlie Parker? Did you like Charlie Parker? Do you have any idea who Whistle is do you, or Five Star? Do you remember Freddie Jackson and Billy Ocean? Come on, you should. And Bad Company, of course, who I think is still around in one form or another. I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, but much respect to all of them. And to anybody who has as weird a vinyl collection or any type of collection as I do, because weirdness is, is awesome, which brings me to the link that you'll see at the bottom there, my band Rex box set recently completed called The Weird Objective, five albums, five different styles of music, four different bands, several guest vocalists, 24 originals, six covers, and two... Uh, bonus tracks, 32 tracks in all. Please click on that link and check it out. 
Uh, and as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching and sharing and clicking and subscribing and all the stuff that we're all supposed to do and contributing. If you are on Patreon, you're very special to me. Uh, my objective here, as always, is music, conversation, and connection. Thank you, and uh, we'll talk soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.